from this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We'll take this country and make it great again. We are engaged in an information war. <laughs> we, we are in an information war, and we are losing that war. Everybody like hey. Are you ready to go? Welcome back to the America First podcast, everyone. This podcast, as always, is brought to you by we, the people of the United States, who, in order to form a more perfect union, elected Donald Trump president back in November. Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is loved by patriots. It's loved by fans of America, hated by the globalists. It's hated by the deep state. And we can add the so-called anti-fascists to that list of folks who hate the America First podcast. But the anti-fascists, well, maybe they're the ones who are actually engaging in violence. We've got a big show for you today. We'll start things off by talking about the Battle of Charlottesville. So I haven't put out a podcast in over a week. I apologize for not getting one out in that time. I've been busy. I've been with friends, going to baseball games, birthday parties, you know, having a good time, enjoying the summer. So uh, I wake up on Saturday morning to find out there was a rally of white nationalists, white supremacists, neo-Nazis in Charlottesville, Virginia, which is home of the uh, University of Virginia Cavaliers. The it's similar to Chapel Hill in North Carolina. Um, Charlottesville is overlooked by Monticello, the home of Thomas Jefferson, one of the founding fathers, the author of the Declaration of Independence, the third president of the United States. So on Friday night, hundreds of white nationalists with tiki torches that you would buy at Lowe's or the Home Depot marched around Charlottesville, Virginia at the campus of UVA chanting White Lives Matter, whose streets are streets, and you will not replace us. Uh, The march concluded near the Thomas Jefferson statue on the campus of the University of Virginia. About 30 counter-protesters met them uh, there and skirmishes broke out with the white nationalists hitting the counter protesters with their tiki torches and many punches thrown. So, like I said, this is what I wake up to Saturday morning. I had no idea there was a night, a white nationalist rally going on or what it was about. That was when I found out that on Saturday morning around 10, I, 10 a.m., I see that even more counter protesters had gathered against the Unite the Right rally at the Robert E. Lee statue in Emancipation Park, formerly known as Lee Park there in Charlottesville. So uh, around the country, the last few years, I'd say probably the last five years or so, 
there's been an effort to tear down Confederate monuments all around the country. Uh, we've seen it in New Orleans. Um, there's plans to tear down Confederate statues in Kentucky. And we'll talk about it in a moment, but on Monday night, uh, liberal protesters in the uh, city of Durham, North Carolina, actually tore down a Confederate statue. Uh, so this is a big controversy. It's been going on for a while now. And here's what I'll say. I live in the South. There is a Confederate monument statue at the courthouse less than 30 miles from where I sit right now. Uh, my ancestors were slave owners. It's not something that I'm proud of, but it's not something I can control. Like John Targaryen on Game of Thrones said, we ought not punish a child for their father's crimes. And we ought not, and I say we ought not punish a man who is generations removed from his ancestors' sins of slavery. But uh, the, the folks at the Unite the Right rally, they were there um, to uh, protect their heritage, to say that, you know, Robert E. Lee, he represents our heritage. He's a part of our country's history. Um, Arlington National Cemetery in Virginia actually sits on land that was once owned by Robert E. Lee that was taken by the Union Army during the Civil War. And we're more than 150 years removed from the Civil War. And it's sad that the, uh, the divisions of hate still are alive in America. Um, so, continue with the timeline. Uh, there's going to be, there's a rally, the Unite the Right rally in uh, Charlottesville at uh, Lee, Robert E. Lee statue. Um, it's hard to say how many uh, were there, but the two sides looked equal. The uh, Unite the Rally, white nationalists, and the anti-white, uh, pro-black uh, Lives Matter group on the other side, mostly liberal protesters. So um, it's hard to say how many people, but the two sides looked about equal. Uh, at that point, about 10 a.m. on Saturday, I left a quick comment on an InfoWars uh, Facebook Live saying, don't let the globalists divide and conquer us. We are all Americans. So I go and have lunch with my 91-year-old grandmother. Shout out, Grandma. And I check back a couple of hours later to find out there's chaos and anarchy going on in Virginia. The white nationalists armed with flags, spears, and shields versus the radical far-left protesters. They were armed with baseball bats, tear gas, Water balloons filled with urine, feces, and poisonous gels. That's according to the excellent reporting of InfoWars reporter Millie Weaver. So at 10.19 a.m., Trump, President Trump tweets, quote, We all must be united and condemn all that hate stands for. There is no place for this kind of violence in America. Let's come together as one, exclamation point, end quote. Great sentiment by the president. Let's come together. Don't let them divide and conquer. Well, the message must not have gotten to Charlottesville. The governor of Virginia, uh, Governor uh, McAfee, or McAuliffe, excuse me, Governor Terry McAuliffe, 
calls a state of emergency around noon, declares the the Unite the Right rally, which had a legal permit to be there, as an unlawful assembly. So the police let the uh, Unite the Right ralliers and the counter-protesters fight. They let them fight each other. They did not move to break up the action, as reported by establishment papers such as the New York Times and the Washington Post. Fox News reporter Doug McElwee says the police were told to stand down. We'll play that clip in a second. And InfoWars reported that the order to stand down came from the far-left Charlottesville mayor. Here's that audio from Fox News reporter Doug McElwee. At least from all visible appearances, we saw people coming out of that park who had head wounds, who were bleeding from the head. Mm-hmm. We saw people walking into that park with bats, with sticks. You saw what they were wearing, uh, helmets, body armor. They had come, and this pertains to both sides, they had come to do damage. And they persisted in doing that. You cannot help but notice from that video that had police been more proactive, they could have potentially calmed this thing down to some degree. We were standing just adjacent to uh, a police staging area for the Virginia State Police. And one very kind Virginia State Police officer said, if you guys need to come in here behind these police barricades, you are more than welcome to. Later, about a half an hour later after he told me that, uh, when the tear gas canisters started flying and you heard the police chief say they used no tear gas or, or a chemical irritants, it was the protesters who used it. When they started to fly, I started to make a, a move for that cordoned off area, the police staging area. And the head honcho in that area, a Virginia State Police Officer said, no, don't come in here. And I said, why? He said, we're leaving. It's too dangerous. At that particular point, I, I did notice, and I, in fact, they shot, shot a video of it that we aired over the weekend. You can see the state police officers filing out of there, single file, and making a beeline away from the demonstration, away from the fracases, uh, not towards it. The police chief made mention of that gathering uh, uh, just a little while ago when he said that they made a retreat to put on riot gear. Why they weren't wearing riot gear earlier, given what you saw was coming into the park, people with bats, sticks, mace, canisters, all those things, uh, all those kinds of things. I'm being uh, interrupted right now, but uh, given what they given what they were uh, wearing right there, you 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 would imagine that the police would have been better prepared, at least in terms of what they're wearing, and could have made a more progressive attack. There you hear it. The Fox reporter told by police that it was too dangerous for them. They were standing down. So the police stand down, and I say, if you go out there and you're looking for trouble, then you can't really blame the police for saying, okay, you all have shields, you all have weapons, defend yourselves. I mean, that's this is modern warfare, the Battle of Charlottesville, that's what I call it. This is modern warfare, and you can't expect the police to be there to save you. I mean, the First Amendment says you have the right to assemble, but other people, they also have the right to move around, and you, you, know, you get a group of people... I don't care how big it is, 50 people, 100 people, 30 people, a few hundred, a few thousand, and you're going to have some crazy people in there. So, you know, I understand right to freedom of assembly, right to uh, freedom of speech. Those were both inhibited by the uh, mayor of Charlottesville, apparently. And, uh, you know, even though these guys had a permit from a federal judge of the Unite the Right rally, they had a 
permit from a federal judge. And still, um, the liberals that run Charlottesville wanted to make sure that uh, these people did not get to exercise their First Amendment rights. <clears throat> so after the dispersal order is issued by Governor Terry McAuliffe, the white nationalists leave the park through the mass of far-left protesters, which caused even more violence. Fortunately, a lot of them were wearing helmets, but not all of them. There were head injuries, as you heard McAvoy talk about. This is a battle, people. So afterwards, uh, the liberal counter-protesters at this point, they call themselves Antifa, anti-fascists, I guess. They're Black Lives Matter-affiliated. They're anarchists. They're responsible for violence in cities such as Washington, D.C. during the inauguration. Uh, Portland, Oregon, it seems like there's a riot there every week or two. Uh, if you remember the BLM protests of the last few years that turned into riots in Baltimore, uh, Maryland, Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, Ferguson, Missouri, after the Mike Brown decision was issued. So that's who they're, that's who we have on one side, white supremacists, neo-Nazis. On the other side, Black Lives Matter, rioters, uh, anti-fascists who are actually fascists. Saying they're anti-fascists is, is like saying war is peace. It's very Orwellian how the violent counter-protesters call themselves anti-fascists. And it's very wrong, also very wrong. Anyway, so the liberal counter-protesters, they've taken over Charlottesville at this point. I'm watching some live streams of it all. I've, you know, I, I didn't expect any of this to happen. I didn't know. I w- this completely caught me off guard, this battle at Charlottesville, as I'm sure it did most people. You know, I had a party to go to on Saturday. Um, you know, I was expecting a normal weekend. So the... Uh, Liberal protesters out there screaming, our streets, our streets, whose streets, our streets. Then at around 1.15 p.m., according to the timeline, the Washington Post timeline, a silver Dodge Challenger driven by 20-year-old James Alex Fields plowed into a crowd of liberal protesters, killing a 32-year-old woman named Heather Hayer and also caused 19 other injuries Fields has been charged with five felonies, including second-degree murder. And, of course, uh, he'll be in jail for a long time. I was listening to, for the rest of his life, he should be. Life without parole, that would be my punishment. I was listening to Alex Jones earlier today or yesterday, and he was talking about how this guy deserves the death penalty. Well, that's you know he's from Texas. He's calling for the death penalty. I say give him life uh, without the chance for parole. Um, there's reports I heard that he you know, was mentally ill. Um, he had, you know, he would, he had done bad things in the past. And that's what I mean when I say, when you get these crowds, people together, there's going to be crazy people on both sides. I'm sure there were a lot of, uh, the counter protesters, the liberals who had just as bad of intentions as this guy, but he did run his car into, he actually plowed into the back of another car, pushed that car forward. There were people flying in the air, bodies flying in the air. And it was, it was tragic. And, we don't need this violence because this is exactly what the globalists and George Soros, who, by the way, if you didn't know, Saturday was George Soros' birthday. So he puts millions, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars into these far-left groups. David Brock as well, who runs Media Matters for America, this uh, front for this liberal uh, propaganda group who calls out conservatives anytime. They speak outside of the politically correct, you know, communist manifesto that David Brock and George Soros 
worship out of or read out of. They worship Lucifer. I got that on good authority too. That all the elites of all races and whatever religion they tell you they are, if they're a Freemason, they might not even realize it, but they're worshiping Lucifer. They learned that in the 30th through the 33rd degrees of Freemasonry. And, he, you know, so when, when Alice Jones says that they're literal, you know, Satan worshipers, that there is some truth in that, especially the, at least the ones at the top. You've heard that about Jay-Z and others and, uh, you know, Aleister Crowley. And this, this all does tie into what we're looking at in Charlottesville because Aleister Crowley was an admitted Satan worshiper. And so is, and he was uh, crucial to, you know, leading many in the Illuminati in the 1900s uh, and the Freemasons, the higher ups. But Albert Pike actually wrote the book on Freemasonry and the rituals for the fourth through the 33rd degrees. They were uh, all written by Albert Pike. And Albert Pike was a uh, colonel, I believe, in the Civil War. He was a Southern Confederate general, General Albert Pike. And he's the only Confederate general who has a statue still standing in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C., the sign of liberation, the symbol of freedom for all former slaves who marched their way north during and after the Civil War. This is where a statue of a Confederate general still stands. And you might ask, why? Why in Washington, D.C. is there a statue of a Confederate general? Well, because he's the father of modern-day Freemasonry. His body, it was buried in a Confederate cemetery, a cemetery for Confederate veterans, and it was actually dug up by the Freemasons to put in their giant temple in Washington, D.C., which you uh, you might have read uh, some about that. So I would love to see these people. If they're going to be taking down Confederate statues, I hope Albert Pike is next. He is an admitted Lucifer worshiper, and his writings, what he wrote in his lifetime after the Civil War and before the Civil War as a you know, lead up to him being a grand master in Freemasonry or whatever, uh, you know, it shows that he is a very evil, evil man, as uh, there are many Freemasons who are evil men. But I have gone off on a rant. Let's get back to it. Um, yeah, but like I was saying earlier, political violence is wrong on all sides. And we need to come together as Americans. We are all Americans first under President Trump. This is what he has been saying. The media, they don't, we'll get to the media's overreaction of President Trump's statements in a little while. But we all must come together and unite. We the people united against the globalists cannot be defeated. Divide and conquer is their strategy. It's been going on since before the Roman times. We have to understand we cannot resort to violence. What unites us is greater than what divides us. You want them to divide? You, you know, you want this division to continue? Here's what's going to happen. Right, you know what? Okay, yeah, here we go. Divide and conquer is a strategy that has been employed since before the Roman Empire. It is exactly what the globalists, like George Soros, want in order to take away our constitutional rights, such as freedom of speech and freedom of assembly. So if there's going to be civil war riots every time there's a political rally in a major city, then what's next is martial law. That's how they control the people when they get out of 
control, out of order, the groups of the masses of them. You saw the police in Charlottesville. They weren't willing to put their lives on the line. You know, and that's one thing that uh, these police departments have learned since the Ferguson and the Baltimore riots is that their lives matter to them, too. And so that's why you, you have to be able to uh, defend yourself in these situations. But most importantly, you ought not put yourself in this situation. So the globalists, they want us to kill each other as a means to reach their end goal of population reduction. Look at the Georgia Guidestones. Um, they are the like Stonehenge for the post-apocalyptic world. They're already built. They were built in around 1980. They still stand... People, many people say Ted Turner was the one who put up the money to build them, but it's unknown because uh, the person wanted it to be done anonymously and secretly. It's in Georgia, and the number one rule, the number one guide on the guide stone says to keep the Earth's population in harmony. That's the word they use, in harmony, at 500 million. So that's uh, 7.1 mil- uh, billion uh, fewer than what we have walking around the earth today. So it's going to take uh, a lot for them to get that goal. And we don't need to help them get there any sooner by engaging on American on American violence. That does not solve anything. Uh, so between the time that the state of emergency was declared around noon and the time that the man, Alex Fields, ran his car into the crowd of liberal protesters, 115, President Trump had a bill-signing ceremony in Bedminster, New Jersey, where he was at for the weekend or for the day, to bring more attention to the good he is doing to speed up the processes of the VA, Veterans Affairs. And he also spoke on the violence occurring in Virginia. So we'll play that. And remember, this is before the car struck the liberal protesters. But we're closely following the terrible events unfolding in Charlottesville, Virginia. We condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence on many sides. On many sides. It's been going on for a long time in our country. Not Donald Trump, not Barack Obama. It's been going on for a long, long time. It is no place in America. What is vital now is a swift restoration of law and order and the protection of innocent lives. No citizen should ever fear for their safety and security in our society. And no child should ever be afraid to go outside and play or be with their parents and have a good time. I just got off the phone with the governor of Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, and we agreed that the hate and the division must stop, and must stop right now. We have to come together as Americans with love for our nation and true affection, really, and I, I say this so strongly, true affection for each other. Our country is doing very well in so many ways. We have record just absolute record employment. We have unemployment, the lowest it's been in almost 17 years. We have companies pouring into our country, Foxconn and car companies and so many others. They're coming back 
to our country. We're renegotiating trade deals to make them great for our country and great for the American worker. We have so many incredible things happening in our country. So when I watch Charlottesville, to me, it's very, very sad. So I thought that was a pretty on-the-money speech by President Trump. Great remarks. Um, He talked about how we all need to love one another. And I agree, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus told us. But how can you love your neighbor as you love yourself if you don't love yourself? Love yourself. Love yourself. More people in the world need to love themselves so that they can love their neighbor and their brother as they love themselves. Because if you don't love yourself, then well, you're going to show the same amount of love that you show yourself to others. And if that's a low amount, then what are we doing? That's not helpful at all. So the liberals and the fake news media were very unhappy with President Trump's remarks there. Although if you hear them in full, then it sounds pretty good, right? It's a good uh, response. This is before the woman had been hit uh, and killed by the uh, by the lunatic in the Dodge Challenger. So uh, the media, the fake news media were outraged because he condemned violence on many sides. Uh, the media would have preferred he only condemn one side, the white nationalists and neo-Nazis, and let the violence from the left and the so-called anti-fascists go without comment. Well, of course, neo-Nazis are bad. Everybody that I know believes that. You know, I'm a white person. I'm a nationalist. I don't consider myself a... I don't preach violence. If you listen to any of my podcasts, I don't think you've heard any racism. I use... A lot of uh, rap music, hip-hop music, because I have respect for that culture. It sounds good to me. I enjoy listening to it. Uh, So I'm a uniter, not a divider. And that's the divide and conquer. That is a strategy of the globalists. It's a strategy of the deep state. They've done it in nations all around the globe. We spoke about before about Panama, Colombia, the Philippines. They're doing it now there, too, all across the Middle East. We cannot let the deep state and the globalists divide and conquer. So on Monday, POTUS flew to the White House and gave another few minutes of comments saying what he thought the media wanted him to hear, but really, they'll never be satisfied. Let's play that audio now. But based on the events that took place over the weekend in Charlottesville, Virginia, I would like to provide the nation with an update on the ongoing federal response to the horrific attack and violence that was witnessed by everyone. I just met with FBI Director Christopher Wray and Attorney General Jeff Sessions. The Department of Justice has opened a civil rights investigation into the deadly car attack that killed one innocent American and wounded 20 others. To anyone who acted criminally in this weekend's racist violence, you will be held fully accountable. Justice will be delivered. As I said on Saturday, we condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence. It has no place in America. And as I have said many times before, No matter the color of our skin, 
We all live under the same laws. We all salute the same great flag. And we are all made by the same Almighty God. We must love each other, show affection for each other, and unite together in condemnation of hatred, bigotry, and violence. We must rediscover the bonds of love and loyalty that bring us together as Americans. Racism is evil, and those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and other hate groups that are repugnant to everything we hold dear as Americans. We are a nation founded on the truth that all of us are created equal. We are equal in the eyes of our Creator. We are equal under the law. And we are equal under our Constitution. Those who spread violence in the name of bigotry strike at the very core of America. Two days ago, a young American woman, Heather Hare, was tragically killed. Her death fills us with grief, and we send her family our thoughts, our prayers, and our love. So there you hear the president sounding very leaderly, disavowing the Nazis, disavowing the white supremacists. But that still wasn't enough for the fake news media. Now they were saying he didn't condemn the neo-Nazis and white supremacists soon enough. And honestly, they'll never be happy with anything he has to say because they are owned by the globalists and they don't, in general, believe in putting America first. As a matter of fact, the mother of the victim, Heather Hare, then said, who you just heard Trump expressing his condolences for and best wishes and prayers for, his, for her family, her mother said on Monday afternoon, thank you, this is uh, from uh, Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders's Twitter. She uh, released this quote from the mother of the victim, Heather Hare. Quote, thank you. Thank you, President Trump, for those words of comfort and for denouncing those who promote violence and hatred. My condolences also to the grieving families of the two state troopers and quick recovery for those injured. There were two state troopers killed in a suspicious helicopter crash. Well, one we didn't get much information on. That happened in Charlottesville later in the day. Um, I don't know how it crashed, but two, uh, the helicopter pilot and a passenger of the uh, Virginia state troopers were killed there. So uh, that brings us to Tuesday today, where we got a classic President Trump press conference that harkens back to the campaign trail and we'll play the best of that for you now. I didn't wait long. I didn't wait long. I didn't wait long. I wanted to make sure, unlike most politicians, that what I said was correct, not make a quick statement. The statement I made on Saturday, the first statement, was a fine statement. But you don't make statements that direct unless you know the fact. It takes a little while to get the facts. You still don't know the facts. And it's a very, very 
important process to me, and it's a very important statement. So I don't want to go quickly and just make a statement for the sake of making a political statement. I want to know the facts. If you go back to my, in fact, I brought it. I brought it. I brought it. What did you As I said on, remember this, Saturday, we condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence. It has no place in America. And then I went on from there. Now, here's the thing as to, excuse me, excuse me, take it nice and easy. Here's the thing. When I make a statement, I like to be correct. I want the facts. This event just happened. In fact, a lot of the event didn't even happen yet as we were speaking. This event just happened. Before I make a statement, I need the facts. So I don't want to rush into a statement. So making the statement when I made it was excellent. In fact, the young woman, who I hear is a fantastic young woman, and it was on NBC, her mother wrote me and said through, I guess, Twitter, social media, the nicest things. And I very much appreciated that. I hear she was a fine, really, actually, an incredible young woman. But her mother on Twitter thanked me for what I said. And honestly, if the press were not fake, and if it was honest, the press would have said what I said was very nice. But unlike you and unlike, excuse me, unlike you and unlike the media, before I make a statement, I like to know the facts. They don't. They don't. They don't. Listen, how about, how about a couple of... How about a couple of infrastructure questions? Was that terrorism? Say it. What? Not at all. I think uh, the country, look, you take a look. Uh, I've created over a million jobs since I'm president. The country is booming. The stock market is setting records. We have the highest employment numbers we've ever had in the history of our country. We're doing record business. We have the highest levels of enthusiasm. So the head of Walmart, who I know, who's a very nice guy, was making a political statement. I mean, I do it the same way, and you know why? Because I want to make sure, when I make a statement, that the statement is correct. And there was no way, there was no way of making a correct statement that early. I had to see the facts, unlike a lot of reporters. Unlike a lot of reporters, Nazis were there. I didn't know David Duke was there. I wanted to see the facts. And the facts, as they started coming out, were very well stated. In fact, everybody said his statement was beautiful. If he would have made it sooner, that would have been good. I couldn't have made it sooner because I didn't know all of the facts. Frankly, people still don't know all of the facts. It was very important. Excuse me. Excuse me. It was very important to me to get the facts out and correctly. Because if I would have made a fast statement, and the first statement was made without knowing much other than what we were seeing. The second statement was made after with knowledge, with great knowledge. There's still things, excuse me, there's still things that people don't know. I want to make a statement with knowledge. I wanted to know the facts. Okay. Two questions. Was this terrorism? And can you tell us how you're feeling about your chief strategist? Well, I think the driver of the car is a disgrace to himself, his family, and this country. And that is, you can call it terrorism. You can call it murder. You can call it whatever you want. I would just call it as 
the fastest one to come up with a good verdict. That's what I'd call it. Because there is a question. Is it murder? Is it terrorism? And then you get into legal semantics. The driver of the car is a murderer. And what he did was a horrible, horrible, inexcusable thing. Can you tell us how you're feeling you tell- about your chief strategist, Mr. Bannon? Can you Go talk ahead. about that? I, I would echo Maggie's question. Uh, Steve Bannon is I never to- spoke to Mr. Bannon about it. Tell us broadly what your do you have still have confidence well, in Well, we'll see. Hey, look, look. I like Mr. Bannon. He's a friend of mine. But Mr. Bannon came on very late. You know that. I went through 17 senators, governors, and I won all the primaries. Mr. Bannon came on very much later than that. Uh, and I like him. He's a good man. Uh, he is not a racist. I can tell you that. He's a good person. He actually gets a very unfair press in that regard. But... We'll see what happens with Mr. Bannon, but he's a good person, and I think the press treats him, frankly, very unfairly. I did it the last time. And he called on it again, linking the Senator McCain to the Right, Senator saying, McCain, you mean the one yes. who voted against uh, Obamacare? And he said who that is Senator, you mean Senator McCain who voted against Senator, us getting good health care? Cain yeah. said that the alt-right is behind these attacks, and he linked that same group to those who perpetrated the attack in Charlottesville. Well, I, I don't know. I can't tell you. I'm sure Senator McCain must know what he's talking about. Uh, but when you say the alt-right, uh, define alt-right to me. You define it. Go ahead. Well, I'm saying, as no, Senator, define it for me. Come on. Let's go. Define Senator it McCain defined them as the same group. Okay, what about the alt-left that came charging him? Excuse me. What about the alt-left that came charging at the, as you say, the alt-right? Do they have any semblance of guilt? This is what what is, let, let me ask you this. What about the fact that came charging, that they came charging with clubs in their hands, swinging clubs? Do they have any problem? I think they do. Sorry, so, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that was a horrible, horrible day. Wait a minute. I'm not finished. I'm not finished, fake news. That was a horrible day. I will tell you something. I watched those very closely, much more closely than you people watched it. And you have, uh, you, you had a group on one side that was bad, and you had a group on the other side that was also very violent. And nobody wants to say that, but I'll say it right now. You had a group, you had a group on the other side that came charging in without a permit, and they were very, very violent. Do you think that the, what you call the alt-left is the same as neo-Nazis? I, oh, those people, all of those people, excuse me, I've condemned neo-Nazis. I've condemned many different groups, but not all of those people were neo-Nazis, believe me. Not all of those people were white supremacists by any stretch. Those people were also there because they wanted to protest the taking down of a statue, Robert E. Lee. So, excuse me, and you take a look at some of the groups and you see, and you know it if you were honest reporters, which in many cases you're not, but many of those people were there to protest the taking down of the statue of Robert E. Lee. So, this week it's Robert E. Lee. I noticed that Stonewall Jackson's coming down. I wonder, is it George Washington next week? And is it Thomas Jefferson the week after? You know, you, all, you really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? But they were there to protest. Excuse me. You take a look the night before. They were there to protest the taking down 
of the statue of Robert E. Lee. Infrastructure question. Go ahead. Should statues of Robert E. Lee stay up? I would say that's up to a local town, community, or the federal government, depending on where it is located. Are you against the Confederacy? Uh, race relations in America, and do you think things have gotten worse or better since you took office? I think they've gotten better or the same. I look, they've been frayed for a long time, and you can ask President Obama about that because he'd make speeches about it. But I believe that the fact that I brought in, it will be soon, millions of jobs. You see where companies are moving back into our country. I think that's going to have a tremendous positive impact on race relations. We have companies coming back into our country. We have two car companies that just announced. We have Foxconn in Wisconsin just announced. We have many companies, I say pouring back into the country. I think that's going to have a huge positive impact on race relations. You know why? It's jobs. What people want now, they want jobs. They want great jobs with good pay. And when they have that, you watch how race relations will be. And I'll tell you, we're spending a lot of money on the inner cities. We're going to fix, we're fixing the inner cities. We're doing far more than anybody's done with respect to the inner cities. It's a priority for me. And it's very important. Are you putting what you're calling the alt-left and white supremacists on the same moral plane? I'm not putting anybody on a moral plane. What I'm saying is this. You had a group on one side and you had a group on the other, and they came at each other with clubs, and it was vicious, and it was horrible, and it was a horrible thing to watch. But there is another side. There was a group on this side, you can call them the left, you've just called them the left, that came violently attacking the other group. So you can say what you want, but that's the way it is. On both sides, sir, you said there was hatred, there was violence on both sides. Are well, I do think there's blame, yes. I think there's blame on both sides. You look at, you look at both sides. I think there's blame on both sides, and I have no doubt about it, and you don't have any doubt about it either. And, and, and if you reported it accurately, you would say. They showed up in Charlottesville to protest. Excuse me. They didn't put themselves down as you. And you had some very bad people in that group. But you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group. Excuse me. Excuse me. I saw the same pictures as you did. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very, very important statue and the renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. George Washington was a slave owner. Was George Washington a slave owner? So will George Washington now lose his status? Are we going to take down, excuse me, are we going to take down, are we going to take down statues to George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Okay, good. Are we going to take down the statue? Because he was a major slave owner. Now, we're going to take down his statue. So you know what? It's fine. You're changing history. You're changing culture. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. Now, in the other group also, you had some fine people, but you also had troublemakers, and you see them come with the, with the black outfits and with the helmets and with the baseball bats. 
You got a, you had a lot of bad you had a lot of bad people in the other group well, the press too. Press treated unfairly, sir. I'm sorry. I just didn't understand what you were saying. You were saying the press has treated white nationalists unfairly. No. I just didn't understand what you were saying. No. There were people in that rally, and I looked the night before. If you look, there were people protesting very quietly the taking down of the statue of Robert E. Lee. I'm sure in that group there were some bad ones. The following day, it looked like they had some rough, bad people neo-Nazis, uh, white nationalists, whatever you want to call them. But you had a lot of people in that group that were there to innocently protest and very legally protest because, you know, I don't know if you know, they had a permit. The other group didn't have a permit. So I only tell you this. There are two sides to a story. I thought what took place was a horrible moment for our country, a horrible moment. But there are two sides to the country. Does anybody have a final? Does anybody have you have an infrastructure? What makes you think you can get an infrastructure bill? You didn't get health care. Well, you know, I'll tell you, more. we came very close with health care. Unfortunately, John McCain decided to vote against it at the last minute. You'll have to ask John McCain why he did that. But we came very close to health care. We will end up getting health care, uh, but we'll get the infrastructure. And actually, infrastructure is something that I think we'll have bipartisan support on. I actually think I, I actually think Democrats will go along with the infrastructure. Mr. President, have you spoken to the family? Have you spoken to the family of the victim of the car attack? No, I'll be reaching out. I'll when, be reaching when out. When will you be reaching out? I was very. I, I thought that the statement put out, uh, the the mother's statement, I thought was a beautiful statement. I was telling you, it was it was something that I really appreciated. I thought it was terrific, and really under the under the kind of. Uh, stress that she's under and the heartache that she's under. I thought putting out that statement to me was really something I won't forget. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you. So there you hear President Trump in his Tuesday press conference defending some of the people out protesting the removal of the Robert E. Lee statue, General Lee statue, as well as other Confederate statues across America. And I, you know, and President Trump, he made a lot of great points there in the media. They didn't want to hear that. They only wanted to hear him condemning one side of the violence. But there were two sides out there. And, excuse me, there's a lot of anger on both sides, as you can see. And like I was saying earlier, the anger just feeds into George Soros and Henry Kissinger and all of these globalists and their plans because they want us to fight each other so that they can conquer us and take away our freedoms. You're not going to have a First Amendment if there's martial law. You're not going to have freedom of speech or freedom of assembly if there is a civil war breaking out all over the country. If there's two sides fighting each other with literal clubs, like President Trump said, and sticks and shields and water balloons filled with fecal matter and urine. So I say that anger is a useless emotion. Okay, some say that anger is useful when it can be channeled. But anger can only be channeled in a way that puts your pain onto another person. That may be useful on a football field or in a battlefield of war. But I hung up my cleats many moons ago, and the only war I'm trying to fight is against all these mosquitoes here as it's hot. It's August.
And we need to come together. We need to unite under our president. We need to put our hatred aside of, it doesn't matter if you hate people because of their race, if you hate people because of their politics, if you hate people because of what country they live in or what part of the country they live in. We don't need hate. We need love, like President Trump said. But the media, they didn't want to hear that. They want to, they're, you know, they're working for these globalists. They're owned by these globalists. A lot of the anti, quote unquote, anti-fascist, a.k.a. anti-white, anti-conservative protesters were paid by Soros. Okay, it happened on his birthday, and that was not a coincidence. But President Trump there, he compared Robert E. Lee to George Washington and Thomas Jefferson saying, what statues are next? George Washington really turning the tables on the press. George Washington, he says, was a slave owner, as we all know. So was Thomas Jefferson. So I thought that was great how he turned the narrative onto the media. And, you know, he made a great point about them taking away history and culture and trying to replace it. You know, George Orwell wrote about this. This is what the communists have been doing since the Bolshevik Revolution, removing reminders of the past and killing people's freedom, killing people's freedom and their rights. But, you know, we have our constitution, so hopefully they won't get their opportunity to take away our rights. But, hey, under martial law, all rights are lost. Um, President Trump was also asked about his chief strategist, Steve Bannon, who we've spoken about here on the America First podcast in the past. And Bannon, he's been under a lot of fire. He hasn't really said anything, hasn't really done anything to deserve it. But many liberals and the media believe that his presence just in the White House is a thumbs up to these hate groups. And President Trump did a great job defending Bannon, saying he's not a racist. He's a good man. He called him a friend. And uh, so uh, Steve Bannon... Uh, he survives another day. The headline on Drudge Report the other day was to live and die in D.C. for Mr. Bannon. And we will be right back with more of the America First podcast. Welcome back to the America First podcast. Now let's talk about, we were talking about the violence in Charlottesville, the Battle of Charlottesville over the weekend. So on Monday night uh, in the town of, in the city of Durham, North Carolina, a Confederate statue was toppled. It was built in 1924 and written on it was, quote, in memory of the boys who wore the gray, a reference to the Confederate soldiers. Um, It was taken down by... A group of liberal protesters there in Durham. Durham, a very liberal town, uh, minority controlled. There was uh, talks of voter fraud during the 2016 election. That may have helped 
uh, Roy Cooper become the governor of North Carolina, actually. And so now there's a big push to tear down Confederate statues all over the South, all over the country. There's some in Maryland as well. And we'll see what happens with that. Um, I understand uh, defending your heritage, uh, protecting what your ancestors fought for. I actually had an uncle named uh, Robert Lee, an uncle Robert Lee. That was his middle name, Lee, his first name, Robert. And I understand the, the value of preserving history, but at the same time, the South lost the war, okay? We are one country. We are a united people. We don't need to let the divisions of the past lead to violence of the future. So I say, and Trump, he made a good point. Let the localities, let the local people decide if they want to take down these statues. If they want to, that's fine by me. If not, that's fine by me as well. And those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. So to recap, there are many more white nationalist rallies planned in the future. Um, Vice Media had a very in-depth look at the Battle of Charlottesville. They spoke to the white nationalist leaders who said that they wanted to show that their presence is not confined to the Internet. So what's the answer? Well, it's not more violence. We must evolve above the violence. We must evolve beyond the violence. Like the ETI and the contiguous universe that I spoke about a few episodes ago. If we give in to our violent and our anger, those instincts, that's exactly what Soros and the globalists want, will be doing their bidding. Jesus Christ told us that blessed are the peacemakers. And while total world peace may never be attainable, if we allow hatred and violence to become our primary form of political expression, we will lose our rights under the First Amendment. Okay, freedom of speech and freedom of assembly won't matter if we are under martial law because of riots or a second civil war. Okay, I'll end this segment and I'll end this episode because we're at 54 minutes now. And I wanted to talk. I got a list of things I want to talk about here. Trump fire and fury warning to North Korea. Sheriff Joe Arpaio could be pardoned. That's a, there's a Fox News article. I've got... China banning coal, iron, lead, and seafood imports from North Korea. China state-run paper comments saying that it would try to stop America if we attempt a preemptive strike, but it would not get in our way if North Korea strikes first. That's from Forbes. There's a big Amazon tax fight. The president was tweeting about that this morning. I I recorded half of this last night, and I'm recording the rest of it on Wednesday morning. That's why my voice might sound a little bit like it hasn't fully gotten uh, woken up yet, but it's Doing my best here. So yeah, Amazon tax fight. There's a new warning from Elon Musk about the dangers of artificial intelligence. How you know Elon Musk? He said on Friday night, AI is a far more dangerous threat than North Korea. But I'm going to end this with a quote from Sun Tzu, an ancient Chinese philosopher who wrote the book The Art of War. Okay, he said, "Here's a quote: <clears throat> For to win 100 victories." In 100 battles is not the acme of skill. To subdue the enemy without fighting is the acme of skill. Okay, in other words, the true art of war is to win the battle without fighting. So, I'll let you all marinate on that. 
don't give in to the violence. Don't give in to the anger. Don't give in to the hatred. Look, I know it's a hot summer. A lot of people's lives haven't turned out the way they wanted. They, they thought they would be when they were younger. Okay, that's part of life. But you make the best with what you got. You do the best with what you got. You try to keep your energy positive, And you count your blessings. We are all so blessed, first and foremost, to live in this wonderful country. Okay, the, look, count the blessings. Count the freedoms you have. There's 10 of them in the Bill of Rights. Okay, and many more within those. So count your blessings. Count your freedoms. Enjoy them. Don't take them for granted. Don't give in to the darker instincts of violence and hatred and anger that we are all tempted by. Okay, if you feel the presence of evil around you, call upon the Holy Spirit. Okay, channel the Holy Spirit. Hone the Holy Spirit. Okay, call upon it and Christ will be there for you. So that's what I got for this week. Coming up on an hour here. Um, Any sports topics? Uh, Tim Tebow keeps hitting home runs in the minor leagues. Um, The Carolina Panthers won their first uh, preseason game against the Houston Texans last week. Uh, Colin Kaepernick still remains unsigned. More players are uh, sitting out the national anthem, including uh, both of the former Seattle Seahawks and one current Seattle Seahawks, Michael Bennett, and then Marshawn Lynch. So I guess these guys, they just don't appreciate America. And that lack of patriotism and national pride... It feeds into this anger and this violence and this hatred and this trying to get a reaction out of people that is just wrong, wrong for our future. So I'm gonna so I'm gonna end the episode with uh, the audio of President Trump, his fire and fury comments North Korea, which was the big story last week. That's part of the reason why you know I didn't do a podcast last week was because we were all on a wait and see about North Korea. So. And I was trying to enjoy my life because I didn't know. You know, I, I, honestly, I'm not afraid of North Korea. Um, I live on the East Coast, so they're not going to attack me. Uh, also, we have the HARP, the H-A-A-R-P defense system in Alaska that can redirect missiles into space. THAAD, NORAD, DARPA, we got all the acronyms on our side. Now, if I lived in Seoul, South Korea... I'd be worried. If I lived in Tokyo, I would be worried. If I lived in Guam, I'd be worried. If I was vacationing in Hawaii, I might be a little concerned. But no, I'm not worried about it. There, uh, you know, an EMP, an electromagnetic pulse, would be the probably most effective weapon for North Korea. I don't know what our response time to that would be, but it would knock out all electrical signals, and that would that would be catastrophic. So I think that's more likely than a nuclear warhead. But, uh, you know, on Tuesday, Kim Jong-un said that he was going to back off and not uh, attack us, and not attack Guam. You know, so we called his bluff. President Trump did a great job of leadership there. And here are his comments on North Korea fire and fury. North Korea best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. He has been very threatening uh, beyond a normal statement. And as I said, they will be met with fire 
fury, and frankly, power, the likes of which this world has never seen before. Thank you. Thank you. So there you hear fire and fury and frankly power like the world has never seen before. So that's what we're going to leave you on. And I'll just say trust in Christ and you will have nothing to fear, my friends. Trust in Christ and you will have no fears, nothing to fear at all. So that's how we're going to end the show. I want to say thank you again for listening. Uh, This is the America First podcast brought to you by we, the people of the United States, who in order to form a more perfect union elected Donald Trump back in November. Find me on Twitter at Infinite101010, at Infinite101010, because these words will live forever. We're going to end the show with a little different outro song. Okay, so no daybreak jazz, but... Uh, a little, uh, this is Hank Williams Sr. singing a little ditty called I Saw the Light. And remember, from this day forward, it's only America first. I wondered so aimless, life filled with sin. I wouldn't my dear Savior in Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night Praise the Lord, I saw the light I saw the light, I saw the light No more darkness, no more night Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside Praise the Lord, I saw the light Just like a blind man, I wondered alone Worries and fears I claimed for my own Then like the blind man that God gave back his sight Praise the Lord, I saw the light I saw the light, I saw the light No more darkness, no more night Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside Praise the Lord, I saw the light For the right, praise the Lord, I saw the light, I saw the light, I saw the light, no more darkness, no more night, now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside, praise the Lord, I saw the light.